two weeks out of heart surgery. Look at him up here playing. That's awesome. It's awesome. If you've got your Bibles, lift them up and repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys sound awesome. You know, I've been really excited over these last probably two months or almost three months now that God is really, week to week, the services have just kind of built on each other. And, and that wasn't, I can't, I'd like to say I was smart enough to do that, but I'm really not. I really feel like it's God intentionally doing something. He's building something. And so as we've just tried to be obedient and bringing you guys the word and the messages, I feel like that each week they build on one another. So I want to encourage you not to miss church. It's not because I get gold stars if, if you come. It's for you. And, and as each one of these pieces builds, if you don't have it or you have to miss or something, go back. We keep all the services online. You can listen. You can download the notes. But, but take advantage of that technology and allow God to really speak to you. These services are important. And, and so I want to make sure that you guys get the opportunity to get God's word because it's a message for our church and you in, in particular. We've been talking about change, and I've titled the, today's message, A Long, Hard Look. Has anybody ever told you, hey, before you do that, you need to take a long, hard look at what you're going to do? Maybe it was buying a car. Somebody said, hey, before you do that, take a look. Hey, before you get married, come on, take a long, hard look, right? There, there are situations in life that are very important, and before you just jump out and do something... You need to really look at what you're getting ready to do. And that's what this, this message is really about today. We talked last week about the Hebrew children. Uh, God had set them free from Egypt. They'd followed Moses out and the Ten Commandments had come. And all these amazing miracles had happened. And they'd walked across the desert and they'd got up to the edge of the promised land where they could literally look and see the promised land. The goal, the end result, everything was right there. But something happened. They got a report from some spies that had gone into the land. Ten of the twelve said, there's no way. There's giants there. We're like grasshoppers. It's a great place to live, but they're going to squash us like little bugs, and we don't think we should go. Joshua and Caleb said, man, we can do this. God told us we can do this. What happened is that bad report spread throughout the camp, and the people began to grumble and complain. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us they got so upset about it, they talked about stoning Moses. And so it was a really scary time for Moses and Aaron and the guys. And they said, you know what? We're going to give in to the people. And God was so frustrated, so upset at their disbelief that he said, the only way I'm going to be able to move you guys into the promised land is this way of thinking has got to die. And, and there are seasons in our lives that we all go through that maybe we're conditioned to think a certain way. We're trained to think a certain way. But to get to where we're going, our way of thinking has got to change. And that's exactly what was going on here. These guys were married to old ideas. They weren't willing to go a new way that God wanted them to go. And it cost them everything. You know, there's a, there's a, a phrase that's said in businesses and churches and relationships and schools and everything else when there's change coming. And it's like, well, we've never done it that way before. Anybody ever heard that? 
We've never done it that way before. And, and when people sometimes get so comfortable where they are that they're not willing to adjust or change, I'm not talking about the core principles. I'm talking about the methods to get things done. And change is very difficult for us. Well, a whole generation, two million people had to die because they couldn't change their minds. And when a crisis came up, they chose the wrong thing. We talked about crisis last week, that the Greek word for crisis means to shift or to sift. And so, in other words, these crises, these tests come in our life. And when we get these tests, they really show us what we're about. Uh, that's what tests do. Tests are not given by teachers to fail you. That's what I used to think. <laughs> tests really are given by teachers to show you what you know or don't know. And so when a change comes, when a test comes, when a crisis comes in our life, what happens is it really reveals what we really know or what we really believe. And this group of people came up and they had a crisis about whether to trust God or not. And they chose not to trust God and they had to die because they weren't willing to change. The Chinese actually have two symbols that they draw that talks about change. And these two symbols represent danger and opportunity. Danger and opportunity. And what a great visual image of a test or a crisis. We come up to these situations in our life where we have to make a decision. And there is danger, there is risk, but there is also opportunity. But you know, there's so many people, and, and right here you can even look at the Hebrew children. They chose not to obey God, and the danger cost them everything. Sometimes it costs us more to stay put than it does to move forward. So here's the truth, folks. In life, there are challenges that come along because life can be hard. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Life can be a little difficult sometimes. Three people, that's all. The rest of you, that's it. Life can be difficult. But, but here's what we do. Thank you, Wayne. I appreciate that help. Here's what we do. We paddle, paddle, paddle so hard upstream in life, and it's difficult, difficult. And then after a while, we go, you know what? I just want to rest. I just, I just want to take a break for a week, uh, maybe a month. May, uh, you know, I just need to. And the next thing you know, you're at the Spring River Bridge up here in Hardy, and the now you're down in Pocahontas. You're welcome, Sue. That was just for you this morning. <laughs> but what happens is you stop paddling, and instead of coasting, you go backwards. And that's what happens to us in life. See, the, the children of Israel here at the river said, hey, we don't want to go over. Let's just chill out. And God said, no, 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 that's not going to work. And so they had to die because they weren't willing to change the way they think. And so today, I want us all to really take a long, hard look at our lives. Because here's the truth. The truth is God has an amazing plan for you. The truth is God has a promised land for us individually. He has a promised land for us as a church. He even has a promised land for us as a community. He's got a plan. But we have to cooperate with him to achieve it. And I want you to understand this. I didn't say this in first service, but this is important. Listen to me. Just because you obey God doesn't mean it's going to be easy all the time. Just because you obey God doesn't mean there's not going to be giants. There's not going to be cities like Jericho. Just because you obey God doesn't mean everything's going to be sunshine and roses. When you obey God, there are going to be battles. But here's the deal. 
If you obey him and walk with him, he will fight with you. But listen to me. But when you decide to disobey him, you're on your own. There's pain in life. You're going to experience pain. But you can experience pain with him and he will help you through it. Or you can experience pain without him and it will devastate you. Truth. Jesus said in the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. What if you don't have him? You have tribulation. Trouble. So this is important. This message today, this is a life-changing deal. This is where we need to really take a long, hard look at ourselves to see where we are because God's wanting to do something. Notice, I've got a quote from Christine Kane. I almost said Christine. <laughs> from Christine Kane. Let's see what it says. The most difficult time in your life may be the border to your promised land. The most difficult time in your life may be the border to the promised land. See, for the Hebrews, they had walked up to the River Jordan, and the River Jordan was the border into the promised land, but they had a crisis right there, and they responded wrong. It cost them everything. So how do we not be them? How do we not be that way? How do we enter into what God wants us to do? Notice, if you look at your notes in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, just to set this up, Moses died because Moses wasn't able to go into the promised land either because of his disobedience. And those two million people had died, and now there's this new group of Israelites that are already millions of them ready to cross into the promised land. Their thinking was different, and so they're ready to move forward. And Joshua and Caleb, because they were the ones that believed they could take the land, they were the only two that were allowed to pass. So God goes to Joshua and says, Moses is dead. You're in charge. Now it's time to lead these people into the promised land. So here's what Joshua says to him in 3 verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. Circle consecrate in your notes. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves because tomorrow God's going to do something awesome. Now that word consecrate theological term, but the word consecrate means to set aside as holy. He said to set something aside to make it holy. Now, now let me give you some Bible history here, some consecration history here. Here's what, back in those days, there was not a lot of water in these desert regions for people. And, and the consecration, whenever they would want to consecrate someone, what they would want to do is they would set them aside, and they didn't take baths a whole lot, kind of like Teenager, middle schoolers. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, if they didn't have to take a bath, they wouldn't. But, but here's the deal. They really couldn't take a bath because they're walking around in the desert all the time. But consecration required that they go and, and they strip their clothes off and they completely bathe themselves from head to toe. And they got every piece of dirt off of them. They would consecrate themselves, clean themselves up. Then what they would do when they got out of the water, they didn't put their old nasty clothes back on. When they consecrated themselves, they were completely bathed, totally clean, and then they were put on new clothes on, clean clothes. So they were clean. And Joseph is going through the camp, and he says, look, consecrate yourselves. Clean yourself up. Because God's about to do something amazing. Man, when I read that, it really impacted me because it reminded me that in times of change and in times of crisis, God wants us to do something different. 
He said, you need to really examine yourself. So imagine if that's you and you've been walking around the desert for a while and you stink and you're covered in dirt and you get out in that river and you strip all your clothes off and you're going and you're looking for every piece of dirt, everything on you that's dirty. And when you get it all off, then you come out of the water and you put a brand new set of clothes on and then you wait for God to do something. That's what they did. And the next day, God did this amazing miracle. The, the River Jordan was at flood stage, and, and the priests began to step out in the water, and the river stopped. And that entire nation of people was able to cross across this big river on dry ground. God did a miracle. But they had to consecrate themselves first. You know, it really hit me as I was thinking about consecration. I was thinking about this time in our lives that that God really wants us to examine ourselves. And the reason I have this mirror up here today is, you know, it's got that stuff on it so you really can't see it clearly. And the truth is, if I were to ask you to come up and look in here, you'd have to really kind of look to find a spot where you could see yourself clearly. See, it's marked up. But when I think of consecration, what I think of, this is a Chris thing, is really cleaning this up and cleaning up the mirror and really looking at our lives so that we can see what's in there. But the truth is, most of us spend most of our lives not doing that because it hurts. It's hard. See, consecration is not easy. We want to see God move. We want to see God do things. But it's a lot easier for me to point out weaknesses in Trisha's life or Alex's life than it is for me to examine my own life. Jesus talked about that. He said something very interesting about looking at sin in other people's lives. He said, before you try to help Lauren with her sin, the little speck that's in her eye, you need to take care of the log in your own eye. But notice he also says this, and then after you've done that, then you can help Lauren. But first, you got to deal with this. So consecration begins with you. You know, notice God didn't say, hey, you guys, Joshua, you go and clean everybody up. He said, no, 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 you guys consecrate who? Yourselves. It's time to do some self-examination. I have found this to be true. In my own life, it's not the devil or everybody else that causes me the most issues. Who do you think it is? Yeah, it's me. And that's what this is all about. Because God wants to do something amazing in your life, but you have to get to the point where you're willing to really look in the mirror, and then he'll do something. But he's waiting on you. And a whole generation had to die because they weren't willing to deal with their stuff. I don't want us to be those people, guys. I don't want us to be those people that walk right up to the edge of our lives getting good, right up to the edge to where things really start happening, and then we go, oh, it's a little too hard. I don't think I'm willing to go that route. And then we back up. But like I said earlier, when you back up like that, it, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. Sometimes it's better to drive through your pain than to just allow it to consume you. So look at your notes. Let's talk about some roadblocks to the promised land. Here's the first one. The first challenge that people have many times when they're looking at allowing God to examine their heart. The first real roadblock is the fear of being hurt. 
just don't want to get hurt anymore. I mean, the truth is, and the reason I got this here first, is that's probably the biggest reason a lot of you don't want to allow God to work in your life or, or deal with other people or get close to folks is because you've been hurt so much that, that you would rather just not do anything than get hurt again. You may know what I'm talking about. But here's the thing. If we don't deal with that, we don't get to move beyond that. We don't get to move beyond it. Let's look at number the second one because it's going to help you with that. The fear of being rejected. Now, I've got scriptures for these that I want you guys to look at. The fear of being rejected. Look at Psalm 139, verse 14. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. And here's the thing I want you to see here is I talked about it during communion is you are handmade. You are handmade. You know, Michelle makes some amazing stuff. She's very, very artistic. Connie is, makes some amazing stuff. She, she cooks. I mean, these guys, they do some really cool things that are awesome. They're, they're works of art. Their craftsmanship is amazing. God says that about you. You are a work of art. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a piece of work. No, I, I didn't. I, no, that was wrong. That was wrong, wasn't it? <laughs> Look at your other neighbor and say, yes, I am. Go ahead. That's all right. But here's what happens. Here's what happens. We walk up to this border, and we're so tired of hurting, we don't want to be hurt anymore, so we don't want to be vulnerable, so we build those walls, and we keep everybody out, including those that love us, and we're not able to move through to what God has for us. And then we come down here, and then there's this fear of being rejected. That's a big thing. I mean, many of us will go through life and say, you know what? The reason I don't want to connect, the reason I don't want to put myself out there is because I don't want to be rejected again. Because it's so painful. But here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing you need to understand. You are who God says you are. And the reason that we come together and have church like we do, it's not about a religious function. Our whole idea, the whole concept of what we do on Sunday morning is we want you to have an encounter with God who loves you. We're not here to try to impress you. I don't want you to, if you walk out today and go, man, the music was awesome and Chris, Pastor Chris is amazing. I failed. What I want you to do is walk out of here going, Jesus spoke to me. God loves me. That's what I care about. Because all the rest is just fluff. Because so many of us have been rejected our whole lives, and we just need somebody to reject us. And the Lord said, I will never cast you out. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He will never abandon us. Everybody else in your life may abandon you, but God will never, ever abandon you. And that is the truth. Here's the other roadblock that we want to run into. The fear of being exposed. The fear of being exposed. Look at 2 Corinthians 4 verse 2. I'm reading out of the message, which is a newer translation that really just puts it in plain English. We refuse to wear masks and play games. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open the whole truth on display so that those who want to can see. 
1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he, Jesus, is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And I want to tie these two together so you'll see. Here's what happens. This is one of the biggest challenges I face. As a leader, you know, you feel there's vulnerabilities. And a lot of times as a leader, you feel like you've got to have everything together. You've always got to have this front. You've got to, you know, everything's got to be right there. And the truth is we all have weaknesses. But we work so hard at trying not to expose our areas of weakness, we become ineffective. But there's a solution. Listen, y'all, this is worth the price of admission today. There's a solution. The Bible tells us, the New Testament tells us, that if we confess our sins to one another, we will be healed. Now listen, there's a difference between being forgiven and being healed. We confess our sins to God And he what? Forgives us. But he says here, if we confess our sins to one another, we are healed. And here's why. And I don't mean go confess your sins to everybody you know. What he's talking about here is godly, mature people. You don't need to go tell Pookie and them all your problems. Right? But you need to find godly people in your life that you can go to, that you can be vulnerable with, and expose these areas of your life. And here's why. Who resides in darkness? The devil. The enemy resides in darkness. Sin resides in darkness. And when we try not to expose areas in our lives, what happens is we cover those up and we leave them in darkness. And here's what happens. Is the enemy takes residence up in those places that you won't allow the light to come to. But when you go and you get with a godly person, someone that loves the Lord, and you begin to share with them, listen, I'm struggling in this area. What you've done is you've now exposed that darkness to light. And what happens when light comes? Darkness flees. And that's what the word is talking about. When you get with people, you might call them an accountability partner, somebody that you can trust, and you begin to share these weaknesses, and light is now shed on those areas in your life, and healing comes. In the last few months, I've had the opportunity with me to meet a couple of different people, some that were really struggling with areas in their life. They said, listen, I've struggled with this for years, and I felt like, A, I could trust you, which was a big deal to me. They said, B, I want to be healed. And as they began to share some of these challenges and some very, very tough things that they were dealing with, that they were struggling with. And we began to talk about this scripture and others where God comes in and begins to heal and we're praying for healing in their life. And I, and I said, listen, we can meet and talk about some of these things and, and God will work you through this. And in both cases, they looked up at me and said, I feel better already. Something they'd carried for decades in some cases. In a moment when the light comes in and it sheds on it and the devil loses his power. Because now they've confessed that sin. And they're free. Some of you know what I'm talking about because some of you have been running from things in your life for so long that you're just tired. You're just tired. And if you would stop running and allow God to begin to do the healing in your life... He's going to do some amazing things. Remember, he wants to consecrate you, to take you to a promised land, but he wants to deal with this stuff. Why? Because he loves you. Folks, this is truth. I don't know how to preach any more truth than this because this is the stuff that keeps us back. 
And God wants what's best for you. I'm going to go through these next four points quickly. So how do we get there? The first thing you have to do is be transparent. You have to allow yourself to look at yourself. And you have to allow a couple other people, godly people in to help you begin to work up. Because why? We need each other. Look at your number one on your notes. The first thing you need to do is establish a team. You need to establish a team. You need to establish some people around you that can be a support for you. Ephesians 2, 20 through 22 says this. Together, everybody say together. What does that mean? It means everybody. Together, right? It says together we are his house, God's house. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone of the house is Jesus himself. And we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. I love this. This is incredible. Because what this tells us is that we need each other. Together we're God's house. See, God's house, the church is not this building. The church is you. You're the church. And then whenever we come together, how we complement each other and, and we have different strengths and abilities, but together we are God's house. Jesus is the cornerstone, but he needs all of us. We're all part of the building. We're all part. And God does something amazing when we're together. The second thing needs to happen is you need to create and implement a growth plan. Todd, I thought of you this week when I was looking at this point. We need to create and implement a growth plan. Notice it says create and then implement. How many of you have ever created an exercise plan? How many of you have implemented it? One person, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, too. <laughs> That's really what happens. We need to create a growth. Listen, folks, nothing happens by accident. Nothing happens by accident. So you need to create a plan, but then you need to implement it. And I want you to know something. I mentioned this first service. If you haven't been coming on Wednesday nights, you guys are missing out. I mean, Dr. Chambers has been teaching, just doing a phenomenal job teaching us Bible history and things you need to know. We want to grow you. The reason we have our kids' programs, our youth program, we've got some of the best, best youth pastors there are. We, we want to grow you and help you become who God's called you to be. But here's the deal. We can create that, but if you don't come and participate, nothing's going to happen. Do you see? So you need to create and then implement a plan. Very important. Ephesians 4, 16. He, God, makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its what? Own special work. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm special. Yes, you are. <laughs> as each part does its own special work. Watch what it does. Watch what it does. It helps the other parts grow. Listen to me. When Dylan does his job, it helps me do my job. You've heard it said that you're only as strong as your weakest link. It's true. We are only as strong together as we are individually. I'll give you a point in fact. When we're up here on the worship team like this morning, who's the weakest link? That would be me. <laughs> Why? Because I look around, I'm like, wow, I'm amazed, right? But I don't want to be the weakest link, so I have to grow. 
But here's what happens, and it was amazing. You got to participate. You guys saw it this morning, how amazing it is when they're all working together and the worship team is working together and how amazing it is. And that's what God calls his families to be and his church to be. Your family can be like that. You may say, you don't know my family. I don't have to know your family. God calls us. He wants us to be that way. He wants our families to be that way. He wants our churches to be that way. He wants our businesses to be that way. He wants our schools to be that way. But when each one of us begins to work and do what God's called us to do, something amazing happens. Here's number three. Join an army. (laughs) Join an army. Luke 12, verse 32 says this, So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. You know, something amazing happens as a church when we come together and we're, we're able to join our strengths together and then watch God do some awesome stuff. And he has been. Over the last eight years, we've seen God do amazing things in our community, utilizing a lot of times our church. And it's awesome to watch everybody work together. I love the different events that we do because it really shows you the strength of our combined body because we're an army. But we're an army that brings change. You know, I, I want you to hear this. I was over here praying as I was sitting up against the wall while you guys were taking communion. I was praying for the one today. That one person today that really needs this message. The one person that's here today that God is trying to talk to. You know who you are. I don't. But I was over there praying for you. And I was thinking about, you know, we're meeting with architects and getting ready to build this new building. And I want you to understand something. It's about the one. It's always about the one. That one more person and the change that can happen when Jesus comes into their heart and changes their life, which in turn changes their family, which in turn changes a generation of people. It's always about the one. And you are the one. For God so loved the world, he so loved you. But he's called you to be a part of his family, but his family is also an army. And you know, in my heart, guys, and, and if you cut me, this is what I bleed. I, I, you cut me, this is what you'll see, that, that our church changes because our families get strong. And then in turn, our community changes because our church is strong. And then our county changes because our communities are strong. That's what I see. And it starts here. It starts now. With you looking to the promised land and having to make some hard decisions. Am I willing to look in the mirror so that I can hear it, what God wants me to have? There's gonna be a battle, but he's with me. And I don't wanna go backwards. I don't wanna go backwards. Here's number four, my favorite point today. Embrace being loved. Embrace being loved. Ephesians 2, verse 19. You, everybody circle you. Who's he talking to? Me, that's right. That's right, that's good, Lisa. He's talking to you. 
You are a member of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You. See, our, our relationship with God is so personal. It's about you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all about me. <laughs> I'm doing that a lot today, aren't I? Yeah, you're welcome. If you don't get this point, the rest of them are irrelevant. You need to embrace being loved. You need to allow God to love you. See, the truth is, some of you feel unlovable. And as I read my Bible and I look at all those people in there, there were a lot of people that I would consider being very unlovable. And God used them in amazing ways because they simply accepted who he said they were. You know, we've got three awesome kids and I'm so excited, you know. Uh, with Trisha's birthday yesterday, one of the things that I was thinking about is how as a mom, she's done an amazing job of raising three amazing kids. She really has and I'm really thankful. I mean, they're all smart, good looking and all that like me, but you know, she helped and so I gotta give her props. But you know, the truth is, we have those kids and I love them so dearly. And the others that God's bringing into our family. But there's something really amazing about adoption. Where, where a family goes out and adopts someone. You know, one of the things I told Austin, Miles will tell you, that we don't have, you know, son-in-laws. I have a son and I have two. He's my son. I don't treat him any different than I treat Miles, which means he fixes fence when Miles fixes fence. That's the way that is. <laughs> so special treatment here. But, but the truth is, he is adopted in our family, so he is a son. You see? So what happens is the Bible tells us that we are adopted. The Bible tells us this. Now, here's what's interesting about adoption. That means God chose you. He picked you on purpose to be adopted into his family. And when that happens, when you're adopted into his family, now you get his name. And that is your new identity. You are God's child. And regardless of what anyone else says or has said or will say, that one truth remains. You belong to him. You're his child. And that can never be taken away. So here's what I would say to you. Embrace that. Embrace it. This past week, a lot going on in the church. There's always a lot going on. But I had neglected spending some good time with the Lord, and, and I could feel it building up. It just seemed like there was more stuff happening, and, and, and I, I really, for a few days, had felt the Holy Spirit saying, listen, man, we need, to, we need to talk. Nothing was wrong. I could just feel getting loaded up, you know? And I finally decided I was going to go down to the river and had appointments and was getting busy, and 
I walked by the door right here, and the Lord said, how about now? So I walked in here, and the lights were off, and I just sat down right there and just talked to my dad. Just talked to him. And listened to him, and he listened to me. Why? Because I'm his son, and he loves me, spots and all. And he chose me. And you know what? There's a lot of things I don't do well. Amen. But one thing I get is that I'm his kid. And he loves me. And I want to be a good son. And that's the same for you. That is available to you. But you have to embrace that. Because here's the thing. You can be a child and not act like one. You can be in the family but not act like you are. And you may have the same last name, but you don't stay connected. And, and, and that's not who God wants you to be. Jesus didn't die and rise again so that you could go be on the, an outcast. He died so he could adopt you and be with you and be in you and give you a life worth living. And that's good news. Amen? So here's what I want you to do. Take a look. Allow God to begin to show you some things in there. Begin to deal with those things. Allow him to consecrate you. Why? Because we're going somewhere. And I don't want anybody to miss out. I don't. Don't want you to miss out. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. The simplicity of your word. Father, you tell us that even a child can understand this. And so, Lord, we, we come to you today. These are not hard concepts. These are not difficult theological terms. You speak to us in a, in a language that we understand. And you simply tell us to stop and look. To really examine our hearts. I know there are people here today, Father, that have been hurt. They've been hurt by people close to them. They've been hurt by people that are far away. There are people here today that don't know if they can trust you. There may even be people here that don't even know if you're real. Though I bet they're getting a better idea. And this is what today's all about. It's right now. I just want you to take a moment. For some of you, this may be the most important decision you ever make. Maybe your whole life has led up to this point right now. And just examine your heart. And here's the question. Have you received him as Savior? Have you embraced him? Because he loves you and he died for you and he rose again for you. You're not a mistake. You're not an afterthought. He chose you on purpose. But you need to receive that. 
If you're here today and you've not received Jesus as your Lord, but you'd like to do that today, you want to receive him, you want to receive forgiveness, you want to receive his healing, if that's you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, it's me. That's me. today and you're a Christian you received him but you've walked away and maybe you feel like now you can't come back because of what you've done or thought or said I want you to know something he knows and he loves you completely and perfectly because you are his child He just wants you to come home. There is no condemnation here. He died for you to be free. So if you're a Christian today, but you've walked away, and today you really want to embrace his love again, you want to receive him again, receive that forgiveness, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, it's me. Amen, I see your hand. feel God's peace here. This is his heart, y'all. This is the heart of God. somebody that would love us that much. That's what our Bible tells us. He loved us that much. And he still loves you that much. Let's all stand. Stay in an attitude of prayer. and I want to pray over you. Had someone raise their hand today and maybe some others that, that wanted to but just didn't and Here's what I want you to do. Just take both your hands and put them on your heart. There's nothing magical about this, and I'm not trying to be cute. I just don't want you thinking about anybody else around you. I just want you to focus right now on you. Let's all pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. You died for me, and you rose again so I could be free. Thank you. You know me. You know I've walked away. Today, I ask you to forgive me. I want to be back home with you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that and you meant it, there's restoration in that. There's peace in that. You say, Pastor, that's so easy. Can I just say this to you? The reason that's so easy is because the cross was so hard. The reason we don't ask you to jump through hoops or run around the building 30 times or do something amazing 
to earn this is because you just can't. It's easy because the cross was hard. So just receive that, okay? Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I ask you to bless us as we leave this place, Lord. Help us to walk out into a world that's hurting. Lord, there are a lot of your family here today. Help us to see people the way you see them. Help us to love them the way you love them. Lord, help us to to show them you, to point them to you so that you would touch hearts and change lives. And we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, one more thing, I'm gonna let you go. You need to high-five three people, tell them God loves you and I'm thinking about it. (laughs) You guys have a good day.